Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Moving moving on, Chris Trapasso joining us now on the Wester Hotline. We don't want to waste Chris's time. Chris, been a while for me anyway. Thanks for jumping on. No, thanks for having me, guys. I love coming on. Thank you. Um, how do you look back on like how, how where it ended up for the Bills? You know, um, the sudden ending with the loss of the Bengals, not even a close game, and like all these sort of takes came out. <laughs> their their past drafts and just what they might have neglected. I mean, you know each of these draft picks of theirs so well. You know, having studied them. I don't know. Like, is it fair, Chris, to sort of look at all the defense, the, the the impetus on defense over the over recent years, and sort of lay blame at the Bills' feet? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that uh, having a priority in the draft, which to me is the most important thing in the NFL, because of how cheap you can get players, having the emphasis be on defense over the past three or four drafts instead of offense in a certainly offensive predicated league, I think was a little bit of a misstep in philosophy. Do we know if that's Sean McDermott pushing that because he's a defensive guy, if that's Brandon Bean's philosophy? It's probably a mixture of the two along with the scouting department. Um, they certainly passed on some good receivers. And it, it, it worked up until that Bengals game that you have Josh Allen, and I think when you have a high-caliber quarterback, like Patrick Mahomes showed last night, you don't necessarily need a Tyreek Hill, um, but you can't have guys that are on the street that are in their mid-30s as your number two and number three receivers in a playoff game. So I think that one, that take is certainly valid. But getting more specific, the lack of yards after the catch, and I I feel like I've said it on this show with Bulldog, with Jeremy and Howard in the morning, two straight years as either the number 32 team or this year the second to last team in the NFL in average yards after the catch per reception. While the 49ers and Chiefs finished second and third, the Bengals were 11th. And that was without Jamar Chase for four games. I think in today's NFL, just watching as much as we all do with red zone and fantasy, the Bills' lack of, outside of Stephon Diggs, receivers or tight ends and running backs who can take a three-yard pass and turn it into a 20- or a 30-yard gain, I think is the, the starkest difference between them and the teams that were in the conference title games and now in the Super Bowl. You know, that is um, something for sure. I remember talking about it with you um, last offseason, Chris. And I also remember the Bills talking about it this past offseason. And I made this point last week. Like, they made a point of emphasis that they wanted to get better at that. Allen sort of took it on himself. Like, it's it's on me to to hit guys, you know, in, in, you know, in, in stride more often or just in ways that will enhance their ability to do things after the catch. So unless that was just lip service it was i believe an organizational point of emphasis that netted them exactly what like next to nothing they climbed like you said from 32nd to 31st in that metric and but that's that's a pretty glaring miss if indeed it was genuinely something that they wanted to focus on 
Yeah, it's it's hard to say if it was just lip service to the media or they just didn't make the right selections or they didn't utilize those players correctly. I think, and I said all season, I probably said it, you know, post-draft in April or early May, that Khalil Shakir being a fifth-round pick, that was where he thrived. That, to me, signaled that, hey, they want to slowly incorporate this fifth-round pick. Maybe by November or December, he's part of the offense, and he never really became even a, a, a tertiary part of this offense. Meanwhile, the Chiefs are rolling out six and seven rookies, and they're giving them the football. They're letting them play. Um, it, it's hard to tell if they just missed or they didn't have a priority on it, but it seems like with the Bills analytics department that they are pretty analytics forward. Uh, they're very progressive in trying to stay ahead of the curve. It would really surprise me if they weren't trying to get better in that yards after the catch category, when clearly the top teams, the most potent offenses in the NFL are not just slightly better than them. They're the elite teams in yards after the catch. And I think if the bills were better in yards after the catch, we wouldn't hear as much griping about Ken Dorsey and the scheme, because a lot of those easy throws would be made by Josh Allen and they wouldn't be a five yard throw to Dawson Knox that gets tackled for a six yard gain. They would turn into the George Kittle type plays that are high percentage throws that ultimately become first downs and big plays for the offense that just never materialize for the Bills. With Chris Trapasso, so you're talking about, I want to ask you this at least in one way, uh, the, the Chiefs or just even the Eagles too maybe, but um, how the Chiefs in this one metric are at or near the top of the league. I mean, it seems like, and I think I saw this from you today as well, in terms of their 2022 draft, they really scored. Yeah, it was a really, really good draft. And I think after the Tyree Kill trade, I think we all were kind of taken aback. Like, how could you trade Tyree Kill? He's different than any other wide receiver in the NFL. And they were going to try to replicate some of his production. They signed Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS. But really, to, to bring in Isaiah Pacheco, who was great out of the backfield during the regular season as a pass catcher, had a big uh, game as a receiver last night, to just – get some youthful players that are big-time athletes, especially at corner, to kind of help fill out the roster. Because I think the Chiefs' defense over the past couple of years hasn't been that elite-caliber defense like the Bills, like the 49ers, like the Eagles. Um, they needed to get better on that side of the ball, and I think it, it, it was a, certainly a risky move. Um, but to have a big draft class, you're going to probably hit on more of the pitch just by having more selections. And I think a lot of the times, Players just getting opportunities is so much more important than, uh, you know, if we think they're good or not. I think it, if you plugged in some of these lesser corners that the, the Chiefs have utilized this season on other teams, said, hey, you know, he's a seventh-round pick, Jalen Watson. He's not going to play, but all of a sudden they need him out there. He had an interception yesterday, had a big interception uh, in that September game, a pick six against Justin Herbert, which ultimately gave the Chiefs the one seed. So I think – the Chiefs said, hey, we have to roll out some of these rookies. Let's do it. And they mostly got very good return on investment from a rookie class when they really needed it. You know, I, I wonder, Chris, if we're looking at that being somewhat of a function of them being yeah. a year ahead of the Bills on the quarterback contract front, right? They, they, they maybe have had to settle into, right, we got to draft guys and they're going to have to play because they're cheap. And the Bills, maybe this is the offseason where they may have to pivot to that. Like, we spent last offseason going, like, I don't know, they, they need a corner, so I guess they'll draft a corner. And then that guy didn't even start um, until it was really necessary. 
And, you know, the rest of it was just sort of, like you say about Shakir, James Cook even, like they took their time easing guys in, and maybe that's about to change. Yeah, I think that this year I was just going to say that I, I think that's what the Bills will kind of lean into, and they'll almost have to do it because of the, the salary cap restrictions. And we've certainly heard about, you know, they can restructure Josh Allen, a bunch of other contracts to free up some space. But to me, beyond just – not having a lot of cap room and not feeling the need to make two or three big splash free agent signings. It's almost to me like year four, let's say going into of Josh Allen being an elite quarterback that they've rolled the dice on these older veterans, Emmanuel Sanders, Roger Saffold this season. I mean, I, I guess Sanders was pretty good. Saffold I think was a pretty big disappointment at left guard. I'd like to see the bills plug in some younger players, either sign some free agents who are 25, 26, that maybe were backups or were depth, pro, depth players to give them more of an opportunity, or like the Chiefs did, um, you know, plug in some of these rookies that will just give them more youth, more springiness on offense and defense, and just let these guys play. With Chris Trapasso on the Wester Hotline, Mike Shope and the Bulldog here. So, I mean, not you're, you're talking free agency too, but if I'm not getting ahead of myself by bringing the draft up. They will pick near the back, 27th. You know, it's still the first round. There will be good options. Um, how does the draft, you know, the, the player pool look for you in terms of how it might line up with what the Bills need? Well, it's not a great receiver class, but to your point, with the Bills picking as late as they are in the first round, they could be picking probably not the first receiver off the board because I think most teams understand just how vital that position has become. To me, it's the second most important position in the NFL. I mean, you have more of a surplus at receiver than you do left tackle, but the ways that receivers can boost your quarterback, his efficiency with what we were just talking about with yards after the catch is huge. So they could ultimately be picking the second or the third wide receiver off the board, uh, which would certainly make a lot of sense. And even if they went offensive guard, again, it's, it's kind of the same. There's not a Quentin Nelson. There's not a, a, a high caliber, like instant all pro type at the guard position. But at the back end of the first round, uh, there certainly will be quality receivers and interior offensive linemen, which to me I think are the two biggest, most glaring needs. I mean, certainly safety is a big need as well, but I think just in terms of what will move the needle the most uh, based on the competition in the AFC uh, and that you just really have to be able to score points in the playoffs against good defenses, it's got to be offensive linemen or wide receiver in the first round. How how surprising, if at all, is it that that it isn't a great class for receivers? And I only say that kind of anecdotally. Like I, I just feel like watching college football and talking with you and other draft people year over year, like it's a position that is very much in, like in demand. And I just feel like college football grows just big play, dynamite, fast, big wide receivers, and it's a little jarring that it that it, it doesn't appear to be. Is it just? not as good a class as, say, like last year was bonkers. Um, I don't know, it just kind of surprises me. I just figured there'd be an endless supply of quality receivers flooding into the into the draft every year. Yeah, it is a little bit strange, and to your point, I mean, I think the last four or five years, almost every radio spot that I've done, I've just been, like, raving about how good the wide receiver class is. I will admit, I've not watched the entire receiver class yet, so there could be a few more guys deeper in the draft who I really like that I think will be good value. But when I say it's a, a somewhat of a down class, it's that there's not that 
Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. uh, Jalen Waddle type at the top. So there could be, again, the first receiver could go off the board at pick 18, the second could be at 23, and the third could be the Bills at, what, 27 or 28, whatever they pick. 27. Um, it, it, it's just that it's not that instant all-pro type wide receiver. But then again, in 2020, uh, Justin Jefferson was, what, the sixth receiver picked, and he might be the best receiver in the NFL at tracking toward a Hall of Fame career. So just because it's not great at the top, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I'm uh, getting at. The Bills could certainly go offensive line in the first round and then in the second round pick wide receiver. So is that all generally, Chris? I'm not going to try to put words in your mouth. I'll just ask you to say maybe... Maybe there's it's not as heavy, but maybe it compares more with last year. I mean, last year, Drake London, he wasn't everybody's favorite. Last year in that first round, I mean, six went before the Bills' turn even, but it was really like particular tastes, <laughs> you know, di- different kinds of players with Olave and, you know, Burks being so different in terms of their skill set. Where do these, th- say it's three guys, that kind of how you're talking, um, are they on that level or maybe not even? I think a little bit lesser than the Drake London and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, but you're right that like last year's group didn't feel like the Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Jamar Ch- uh, Chase year, or even Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs uh, and CD Lamb a few years before that. Right. But like I mentioned earlier, I think almost every team understands it's, it, it's almost been two thoughts going in opposite directions. The teams understand, Hey, Running back, Bijan Robinson is so good. He's Saquon Barkley-esque. But I don't think he's going to go super early because teams understand the value. And conversely, wide receiver is so important. You need three good wide receivers in today's NFL. I think we ultimately will still see four or five go in the first round. And that's just based on traits and what type of prospects they are. There's certainly guys, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, who are second-round picks who have become really good players. So it's not like the Bills can't get a good receiver. They just need to make a priority on it in the first couple of rounds and then plug that player into their offense and get him 70 or 80 targets at least in his rookie season. What about Bijan Robinson, who you mentioned? You sort of answered the question already, but I meant to ask you where, where you see him going. Am I going to have to put up with, like, the Bills should draft Bijan Robinson because they didn't run the ball? Like, is, you know... <laughs> <laughs> is that coming? That will, that, yes, that will probably be coming because it feels like during this early Josh or early in the Josh Allen era, whether it was Travis Etienne or Najee Harris, whatever the top running back prospect is, there's always been a link. I don't think from Brandon Bean or anyone leaking anything to the top running back prospect. Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs from Alabama are two that if I absolutely had to pick a running back in the first round, and I am a big time. Uh, like I do not like doing it. I'm anti-running back in the first round. It would be one of those two. They're kind of different. Gibbs is more of an Alvin Kamara type. He's so he's so dynamic. He has great acceleration. He's just that space running back that can be used in the receiving game. And Bijan Robinson really is a slightly slower version of Saquon Barkley. Same body type, contact balance, vision, cutting ability. He's an instant running back one. But I hope we don't spend 
the next couple months. And for your sake, for your show, I hope you don't have to spend too much time discussing it because that is just a non-starter, I think, right well, now for the Bills. You know it works both ways, right? Like, that's probably good yeah. for our show. It's just maybe not yeah. for my sanity. <laughs> right? yeah, good. It's just, you know, the, there are movies, like the Black Swan. I mean, the, the, most, m- most things that are good for the show are bad for me personally. And that's really, <laughs> yeah. that, that's the dilemma. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. How about uh, the top of the draft, Bulldog, if I didn't jump the line here? No, um, you're good. Yeah. Chicago getting that first pick, odds are they trade it. What do you like there? I think they need to trade down, but I wouldn't trade down too far because if they could still get either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson uh, up front at defensive tackle or edge rusher, respectively, I think that would be huge for them along with a huge package for the number one pick at quarterback. And it's not Bills related, but I think you guys will have a lot to talk about with this quarterback class because talk about different flavors last year at wide receiver. I think we're going to be in for a really fascinating discussion about the quarterbacks that Bryce Young is kind of locked in as this number one overall guy, but I think he's going to be like 5'11", 185, 190 at the combine, does not have a big arm. He's a good athlete. He's not Kyler Murray as an athlete. So traits-wise, he's definitely not a number one overall pick type, but he's already been kind of placed there. Then you have Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, who are kind of Josh Allen types. You have C.J. Stroud, who can't really move very well, but is a good pocket passer. It's going to be very interesting to see which team trades up with the Bears and then certainly which quarterback of this kind of uh, polarizing group they actually like. Boy, I've only just started like you know, pay, paying attention, reading, and flagging stuff from you and, and other draft people, and Levis already feels like the the divisive guy. Maybe not yeah. more than like one overall, like you're saying with Young because of his build and whatever. But like Levis feels like the toolsy guy, and you want to trust that. And I just I'm bracing for lots of Josh Allen comparisons. Yeah, they will certainly be out there, and he's going to be polarizing because he's an older prospect. I think he's going to turn 24 in his rookie season. And he did have uh, a branch off the Sean McVay coaching tree. Liam Cohen was his um, offensive coordinator at Kentucky, so you're going to hear the pro-style offense stuff, and that he wasn't as good in his final season as he was in 2021. It's him and Anthony Richardson are the big-time, toolsy-type prospects that you want to roll the dice on. Anthony Richardson's much younger but it's really like different flavors at the position. Kind of similar to me to 2020 with Burrow, uh, Tua Tungavailoa, and Justin Herbert, that they were all different types of quarterbacks and have had kind of interesting beginnings to their NFL careers. Hey, Chris, if you don't mind, um, Joseph Asai, the Bengals player with the late yeah. hit on, Mah- on Mahomes last night, like, uh-huh. you know, we're all feeling bad for him. Um, he's a rookie, right, Osai? Second season, he tore his Achilles before oh. the season last year. Okay, like um, I don't know what I want to ask you. I, I feel like maybe you know something. You probably do. I mean, things about him that I don't. I just hope that he's like solid enough and he has the support because this will this will be around for a long time. That penalty. Yeah, I I can't speak on his background or anything like that, but I I, I do think that he's going to be a big time part of the Bengals moving forward. And I think we can all expect that they're going to be serious Super Bowl contenders for a while now. He was a second-round pick, super explosive player out of Texas. I think he had like a 40, 41-inch vertical coming out of Texas. Got hurt after a really good preseason last year in his rookie campaign. And with Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard getting up there in age a little bit, he will be certainly part of the rotation and have plenty of opportunities 
to make big plays for the Bengals in the future. Very good. Thanks for your time, Chris. Hopefully we'll be speaking a few more times here in the next couple months. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.